G'day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'm chatting with Erin Kerry, sailor, mum, wife, businesswoman, adventurer and challenge seeker. This episode is brought to you by Pentenius Yacht Insurance. Before I welcome Erin in, I just want to acknowledge that I'm kind of glad I'm asking the questions today as one of her profiles admits that she has a talent for eliciting information in a warm and friendly manner. So perhaps uh, down the line Erin should be doing some interviews. Welcome Erin. Uh, hi Jackie, how are you? I'm very good. It's good to uh, finally get together. Yes, it is. It's been a, a while in the making, this interview, but we've had lots of things in the meantime pop up, uh, you know, not the least of things being a pandemic, but <laughs> we're, we're back on track, I think. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yes. Uh, and I want to talk to you a lot about what you've been up to. But first, uh, the sailing part. You've been on board a boat for a few years with your husband, Dave, and three kids. I'm interested to know how you cope with so many bodies around on the boat. <laughs> well, I, I didn't really know any difference. So when we came up with the idea of living on a boat, we'd never lived on a boat. We'd never um, actually been on a, on a keel boat before. I'd been on a dinghy. My dad um, used to sail and teach to learn to sail lessons on a little inland lake in Wagga Wagga. So, you know, I'd been on his um, laser and then later on he had a 16-foot Hartley, but I'd never stepped foot on a 47-foot boat, which is what we ended up getting, and I had no idea what to expect. So I remember when we arrived into Grenada and saw our boat for the very first time, um, we, we saw it from a distance and thought, oh, my God, it's enormous. How are we going to sail this thing? But then we went down below and we went oh my god this is tiny how are we going to live in this so Excellent. but amazingly we adjusted and I, I clearly remember numerous times thinking this is plenty of room this is all we need and I never I never felt like I wished I had more space which was interesting that's great that's great to not have those expectations and, and you just adapted by the sounds of it I can really relate to the, the going from a small boat to a big boat and the how are we going to manage that to how are we going to live on board. But what was really intriguing, that was the first time you saw your boat other than a picture. How did that right. come about? Well, it was a long story. So when we first came up with the idea to buy a boat and sail away, as I mentioned, we weren't sailors and we weren't really in any position to do what we planned on doing we didn't know what we, what we were doing we didn't have any money saved we were just your regular family in the suburbs um but we actually watched a documentary one evening uh, about laura decker the youngest girl to ever sail around the world and that just really sparked something inside both my husband and i it was completely random and the the fact that it resonated with both of us still freaks me out because you know what are the chances that both of us who had no desire well no I wouldn't say no desire but you know we'd certainly never considered ever living on a boat before um the, the the fact that it resonated with both of us and we both looked at each other at the end of that documentary and went 
wow, let's do it. <laughs> Pretty much that's as simple as it was. So uh, from there, it was about two years and two months of us researching every single possible um, you know, angle of boat life. And because we are located in Australia, we, we knew we didn't want to start in Australia because of, uh, you know, the seas around Australia and we're in the bottom of, you know, southern, southern Australia. So we would have to have gone around the bottom of Australia as our very first passage. And then there was, you know, it's limited in where you can go. If you follow the trade winds, then you kind of got the Indian Ocean to cross after not too long. And we knew we didn't want to do that. So we started looking at boats all around the world and we found our boat in Grenada in the Caribbean. Um, and at that stage, we didn't really know much about boats. So we did employ the help of Beamy, uh, sorry, <laughs> Behan and Jamie Giffen. And uh, they actually happened to be in Grenada. So it was just, there were so many um serendipitous moments throughout the whole two-year period that it all just seemed like it was meant to be. Uh, the fact that I found this boat on Facebook quite randomly, um, looked at the location, and we'd already been working with Jamie and B. Gifford at this stage, and then realised that the boat was literally located in the next bay around from where uh, they were. And um, we, we didn't think that by my husband going over to Grenada, which from Australia would have cost about $3,000 or more, that it would be, that he could really add very much because at that time he, he didn't really know much. So we trusted the surveyor and Jamie to check it out for us. And then we bought it sight unseen. So when we arrived into Grenada about six months later, it was the very first time that we'd ever actually seen our boat in the flesh. How exciting. <laughs> Big wide eyes. And what did your three boys think of it when you turned up and said, well, this is home? <laughs> well, we, it was in a boatyard and there were also, you know, about 40 other boats in the boatyard. So first of all, we had to find which boat was ours. That's how little we knew. We we're like, you know, I'm pointing at these ridiculous boats with massive long keels and I'm like, is it that one? husband's just like oh my god how can you not know which boat is ours but we eventually found it and uh, yeah all of us I, I remember filming at the time and we're all just like oh my god that's our boat it's huge you know it was it was yeah a really really amazing moment that I will never forget I bet that's wonderful and did you find that the the items you'd packed that you had to get rid of some of them or had you packed fairly well? I think we packed fairly well. We're not really one to do things by halves and we're not really one to do things without a great deal of research. So we had been packing our bags for months in the lead up and researching kind of every single thing that we took along. Um, so yeah, we even took a uh, stand up paddleboard like on the, you know, halfway around the world and it was one of the inflatable kinds, so it was really heavy. So we had 10 bags. We were each allowed to take two 30-kilo bags, so we had 60 kilos of luggage between us plus all of our carry-on bags plus the three kids, two of whom, you know, were a bit too young to really carry much. So 
it was very interesting. We also had a stopover in New York on the way. So we had to get from the airport in, you know, into the city, find our Airbnb, back out to the airport. So doing all of that with 10 massive bags and only my husband and I and one child who could really carry anything, it, it was it was interesting to say the least. But I think we did a pretty good job. In, uh, in hindsight, I only wish that we probably could have taken more because it was the prices of things were quite kind of shocking when you used to, um, you know, having Kmart around the corner and being able to buy whatever you need at a reasonable price than to go to a small island um, where everything was really quite a lot more expensive. Um, there were, you know, quite a few things that we had to spend quite a lot of money on or do without basically until we uh, got to probably Martinique where there were, you know, better supplies and big malls and shops, but we didn't arrive there for about six months. So you can imagine by the time we arrived into Martinique after six months of, um, you know, not having some of the things we needed, it was it was like all of our Christmases had come at once. I bet. Wow. That's uh, uh, some logistics and organisation you had to do there. And talking about being organised... You, as, as you sort of came on your boat and you're starting to unpack and get organised and it sounds like the boat was fairly ready to go, how much changes did you have to make to the boat to make it yours? Well, the, the, our boat had actually carried another family uh, all the way from Ireland down to Grenada over the prior, previous five years. So uh, she was pretty much kitted out ready to go but in saying that she had been um left idle for maybe one or two years i think closer to two years so uh when we got the survey back there was a list of i believe 63 things that we had to repair and uh, i don't know if it's because we were new to sailing and um they they <laughs> they just wanted to ensure that, that at least the boat was sound if we didn't know what we were doing. Um, but they insisted that we fix every single item on the survey before they would insure us. And we couldn't um, launch it into the water, splash it, until we had fixed all of those items. So we were in the boatyard for six weeks. My husband worked like crazy hard for six weeks. And uh, in the end, some of the things that were left over were ridiculous like the sticker on the side of the boat is damaged and um, the carpet is lifting in this corner and <laughs> I remember in the end I rang the insurance agency after being in the boatyard for six weeks saying please please can we at least splash it's you know it's hot and there are mosquitoes and we don't have a toilet and we don't have any cooking facilities and we're living four meters off the ground and it's extremely dangerous for our children and every time we go up someone has to go to the toilet and we've all got to go back down again and um, yeah luckily the insurance company let us at least splash and that's where we stayed for another six weeks while my husband finished off you know absolutely everything so by the time we left she was she was in pretty good shape that's fantastic work even if a boat's very close to ready to go to get it to be your own and, and make sure everything's running properly do that complete overhaul so you know every single part of the boat mm -hmm. takes so much time and energy so you guys i think did an extraordinary job and and so is dave and, and what about yourself are you both quite handy 
I'm definitely not handy at all. So that's why we make a good team. I do the organizational things and, you know, plan and prepare everything. And then Dave does all of the handiwork. So basically during that six weeks, I remember it being really lovely because um, it was my first experience of not working for a long time. And the boys and I spent spent those six weeks, well, it actually ended up being 12 weeks by the time we eventually left, um, exploring Grenada, going to beaches, meeting friends. So it was a really wonderful time for us. And Dave just spent the time ticking off the list and getting to know the boat, like you say. And, you know, he enjoyed it as well because um, he just had really had this really massive thing to sink his teeth into. So it was good times. Well done, Dave. That's a that's a big, yeah. <laughs> that's a big job. It, it really is. As the captain, you know, you're you're responsible for as a as a dad and a captain. It, you know, I think it's it's a huge responsibility because you know you really are responsible for keeping your family alive, essentially. And in the real world, you know, dads don't have to really worry about that. But if, you know, if he were to make a big mistake and one of the three holes were to, you know, leak or whatever, and the boat could sink and he would have that on his back. So it was a lot of pressure on Dave to get everything done. Um, it certainly wasn't easy. It was definitely the hardest thing we've ever done, but it also was the best thing we ever did. So and now we're back in Australia. I don't know if we've explained that to your listeners, but um, we we ran out of money, <laughs> as a lot of people do. The sailing kitty needed to be refilled. So we're back in Australia. And um, then the, the coronavirus came about. And we would have been here anyway. So it really was a blessing in disguise that we made it back to Australia before that all happened. Uh, and now it's just um, not knowing whether we will get back to our boat and when. So that's that's hard, not knowing um, if we'll cruise next year or if um, we'll have to pay back on our boat because it's currently in the Azores and by December it would have been there for 18 months. So there's quite a few kind of unknowns at the moment. And, yeah, it's hard making plans for your life when you really don't know where the future is going to go. You're absolutely right, and uh, there's a lot of sailors out there in similar circumstances. Let's hope uh, uh, government officials will take these things into account. And you'll have to forgive me. I think that's one of my sheep that is making a racket outside <laughs> my my window. Um, but we'll carry on. <laughs> You've got a sheep outside your window. Are you on a farm or something? I am at the moment. Yes. Um, we'll just pretend that's not. <laughs> I'm chatting with Erin Carey today, who is a sailor, a mum, a wife, a mother, and a businesswoman. Erin's been talking about how organised you have to be on a boat, and you certainly do. But Erin, you've taken that a step forward with creating a business that's mobile. And I know a lot of people who want to go sailing, um, it's a big question we're asked. Can you tell us a bit more about um, what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, while we're living on our boat, I created my business called Rome Generation. So it all started because uh, come the 12-month mark, we realised that our, our kitty was dwindling much faster than we had hoped. So I really racked my brain to figure out what, what was it that I could do with the skills that I had 
Uh, I'd worked for the government for almost 20 years. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't have a specific career, but I had, you know, these generic skills of being able to write and interview people. That was one of my jobs. So I thought, well, maybe I can turn my hand to writing. I certainly was living a lifestyle that, uh, you know, there was plenty of opportunities for stories everywhere I went. So um, actually on the, in the very first couple of weeks that we were in Grenada, <clears throat> we bumped into SB Delos and they had been uh, like our idols in the lead up to the trip. Uh, the very first thing we saw was the Netflix documentary. Then we moved to the computer, Googled families sailing around the world. And the next people we found were Ian and Jamie of Totem. And then the next people we found after that were SB Delos. And so, Pretty much every day for the next two years, we watched an episode of their their series. So to then bump into them in Grenada, I, we didn't know that they were in Grenada, but you know I didn't know where they were. So I remember that every time I'd go to the supermarket, I'd be looking out for them and wondering where. You know, every time we went to a bar, I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll be here. <laughs> and then eventually we ended up bumping into them, and uh, we we ended up kind of getting to know them because we were traveling up the island chain so we kind of kept bumping into them as we went up and while we were in Antigua I believe it was uh, by this stage I had started writing for the sailing um, magazines and I was writing for Caribbean Compass as well and my editor there asked me if I would go and interview them for an article which obviously was like an honor for me to do so went over to their boat and sat with them and interviewed them and um, I'd also done a couple of other interviews, but there was one main article that I wrote about um, YouTubers and whether or not it was like a viable way to make money while you were sailing because I was so fascinated by how many people were doing YouTube that I just really wanted to understand how it all worked and um, if it was maybe something we could consider. So I interviewed them about that and I also interviewed several other YouTubers and the one thing that I kept finding when I was speaking to them was that they were all so flat out and busy that they really found it hard to juggle filming, editing, you know, doing their promoting, their marketing, um, as well as exploring and living like this ideal lifestyle. And I kind of just thought, well, maybe I can help them help promote, promote their story because, you know, what they're doing is amazing and they were a huge part of the reason that we uh you know did what we did and maybe I can help them continue to live this amazing lifestyle and inspire other people so uh I one thing kind of led to another and the next thing I knew that I, I was actually kind of working for SV Dallas as um their their publicist and so now that's been been over a year now almost a year I think and I have just grown that business into a, a not like a PR agency now. So for me, like it's still amazing. It's still an, a pinch myself kind of moment because I didn't have a background in PR, and I've just created this business from our, from you know the cockpit of our boat, as I like to say. And it, so it really shows that our trip was was absolutely life-changing because I've found this whole new career that I absolutely love and this is what I'll do now you know I'm not I'd 
I would never not do this now. This is my career and I, I'm, I'm a publicist. So I find that that's pretty cool. And I get to work with people like SV Dallas uh, and other inspirational people every day and help promote and share their story, which, you know, in turn just keeps inspiring me to want to do something different. So, yeah, pretty that's- cool. Yeah, that's really great. So Sailing Vessel Delos and Behan and you and I were all part of Women Who Sail, uh, the international Facebook group, and it's a lovely group. And we all end up meeting each other and developing these friendships and support. And isn't it amazing how we set down a new path and the opportunities that we come up and Sailing and traveling this way is all about finding those opportunities, not only adapting, but drawing on your skills to make it work. And that's exactly it. And with that, especially with your job, communication on board, that's a huge thing. So Mm -hmm. if you're a publicist and you're getting involved in social media, was that a challenge? Look, it seemed to come naturally to me and I think that's why I've seemed to have, you know, found this job that really does suit my personality perfectly. Uh, while we were sailing, I was documenting our trip on my Facebook page called uh, Sailing to Rome and, in, I, you know, I seemed to amass this following of people that were just really fascinated with what we were doing and I think um, people would, you know, always say to me you know I love your writing you're really real and honest and raw and it's true that's kind of how I am as a person I I do speak my mind you know obviously where it's appropriate but you know like I'm I'm not backwards at coming forwards and I was pretty honest in the posts and I didn't hold back and you know if if we were having a terrible day I I wrote about it and I think people really appreciated that obviously I wrote about all the amazing things as well but I didn't sugarcoat things because, you know, living on a boat, as you would know, is it's not all <laughs> cocktails and sunshine. There are a lot of really hard, not so fun parts about it. And I, I enjoyed sharing that with people. So that was a good, you know, I think I've got almost 4,000 followers there now. So it was a good kind of um, head start, I think, in just writing about Uh, our trip, getting my name out there, networking and meeting a lot of amazing people and connecting with people. And then um, I ended up working for Lynn Party and I still do work for Lynn Party as well. And she's got an absolutely, you know, fascinating story of circumnavigating the globe twice, once in each direction and in a small wooden boats under 30 foot, no less, with no engine. So, you know, to think that I, I work for Lynn Party is just astounding, really. And I still am just so thankful and grateful for all of the opportunities that have come our way because we we just took this chance and did something crazy. And, you know, it, it might not have worked out, but it, it did. And, well, you know, I'm so grateful for that. So far, so good. And with anything, it's a compromise, isn't it? It sounds lovely to a lot of people, sunsets, G&D on the aft deck, but there's always going to be the peaks and troughs. And what we found is that the troughs make the peaks even better. So you just ride them out. Absolutely. Just totally agreeing with that. Uh, it's It's interesting now that we've come back to land life, we've had the ability to really look at both sides you know, with 
with a newfound kind of, um, uh, what's the word? <laughs> we're looking at it through new eyes, I guess. We've lived on the boat now and now we're back to land and it's it's interesting to say the least and it really does make me miss the lifestyle that we had despite how hard it was because I think I've had the revelation that an easy life is not necessarily a fulfilling life and we seem to everything back home we want to make our life easier you know the dishwasher and the cleaner and whatever else we do to make our life easier but does it make it better? I'm not convinced that it does. I think it's the hard things that you get through that actually make you go, wow, that was actually, I did that, I achieved that and now look where we are kind of thing. So I, I miss that. Yeah, I can I can relate to that very well. The boat for us was simplified living and you know maybe doing your own laundry by hand at times, depending where you are. And it's those sort of jobs and it isn't a lazy lifestyle. It's it's the jobs you're doing for you uh, to keep the lifestyle going. It's great being inspired by these other sailors. And you mentioned Lynn Pardy and Lynn and Larry are extraordinary people and they've inspired a lot of people. Who or what has inspired you? Oh, good question. Um, I think I've listed most of them because honestly, I'm not really one that was uh you know into movie stars or music artists um i remember going to oh, because we had international students in the lead up to um going the first time to save money and i remember going to one of their graduations and they were talking about you know the inspiring people that they could think of and i remember sitting there thinking who would i say is inspiring and is like really living life you know in a in an inspirational way and both my husband and I agreed that the only people we could really think of were Behan and Jamie at that time and um, we've actually never even met them but we met you know had a lot of dealings with them online um so I don't really recall feeling inspired by other people until I came up with or until we came up with doing the you know the sailing trips so that's why I think it's had such an profound effect on our life is because it really has changed our life and now we've you know we've found the kind of people that we inspire that we're inspired by and I think even living on a boat it's it's like almost a daily occurrence that you meet someone that's inspiring um there's so many characters out there and they've all got different stories uh so you know, it's just the regular people that, that we meet, that we have met on those trips that have just shown us so much kindness and that are always selfless and willing to help everybody um, out on the water because that's just what the community is like. That's They're the kind of people that inspire me now for sure. Yeah, we were the same and I'm sure V, Hannah, Jamie will just love hearing that. <laughs> I don't think I've told her that, so... I'll have to tell her to listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We were the same and when we were we were battling, you've talked about having a boat in Australia and why you decided not to and, and the east coast of Australia and, and that's where Noel and I started and we soon learned that the east coast of Australia is one of the hardest places to sail in the world, the big landmass yeah. affecting the area and, and it was really hard and that's how we met people we were inspired by because they'd 
been around the world or they've sailed back from Bali. And we were like, well, how do you do that? Or, you know, we just, yeah. so exactly the same as you. It was those, you know, in the nicest possible way that the, that just the ordinary everyday folk that had done what we wanted. And it's so nice that we can connect and yes. and share it. And the boating community is like that. Mm. It and really is, yeah. It is very much so. I'd just like to get back to the boat for a few minutes before we wrap up. And I'm sure people would love to know what you found was your biggest challenge that surprised you, that you didn't expect it to be a challenge. Mm, okay, so <laughs> definitely what comes to mind straight away was homeschool. I expected homeschool to be hard. I did not expect it to be as hard as it was. It was, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> horrible oh no <laughs> it, it wasn't completely horrible but it was extremely difficult and yeah we were both surprised at how hard it was and is that in terms of the material or the organization of it or trying to get a set time uh, regularly to study yeah look it was a bit of everything really um we we went with like an eclectic approach that I you know I took some different um, exercise kind of books and I registered on a couple of onla online programs and I had some you know art supplies and we had encyclopedias and we were just going to make it up and in hindsight not a good idea I mean that might work for some people but it definitely didn't work for us so on a any given day we we were never organized enough to have made like you know a weekly schedule or something it, it always sounded like a good idea but for some reason or another, it just didn't happen. And so on any given day, we'd have to say, okay, well, let's get the English books out and we'll do a bit of English. And then, all right, well, let's do a bit of maths. And it, we just made it up and it didn't work. And the kids knew that we were making it up. So they'd always be saying, oh, we don't want to do that. Can we do this instead? And uh, yeah, it was it was really hard. And when we go back next time, we that is one thing that we're going to completely change that, us and our personalities and the way that we work we want to have a complete curriculum that basically tells us exactly what they have to do each day and I would love for them to have to report back to somebody else because that way I can threaten them <laughs> and bribe them and say well if you don't hand that into your teacher you're going to be in trouble because <laughs> uh, that's what we didn't have and that's what was really hard. That sounds a, a smart idea, make them responsible to someone else a bit more. It might might help things with the structured approach too. Yeah. Conversely, what surprised you uh, that you thought might have been hard was actually easy? Was there a surprise there? Yeah, I was actually worried that I wasn't going to like boat life because on paper, it, I probably don't seem like the kind of person that would like boat life. I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't particularly like camping. I'm not like a big swimmer. I get itchy from having sand all on my body and I don't enjoy that feeling. Um, I'm not really sporty. So I'm, I'm a girly girl. I, you know, wear makeup and used to wear high heels to work. And like on paper, I was just like, what if I'm kidding myself? What if we get out there and do all of this hard work? And then I realized that, you know, well, I don't actually like this. But I think I loved it the most out of the whole family and I I was just in my element and, yeah, that it did surprise me. I was quietly um, relieved. But 
yeah, it did surprise me. So yeah. That's wonderful to hear because you and I are both riders and it's hard to capture what it actually means every day to live on a boat. So for you to have that nice surprise of, of loving it the most, yeah. even as you say, being a girly girl. And I, I've read some of your other profiles and you do admit to enjoying long baths and chocolate and pina, <laughs> pina coladas. And I did wonder whether you did all three at the same time. <laughs> I haven't, but it sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you enjoy the most? What was, can you, can, are you able to? It's a hard question to answer, I know. But what was the one thing that just was a wow for you i think it was the the country of grenada it was the first country we went to we spent the most time there i think all in all we were there for eight months but honestly i just left a piece of my heart in grenada i it was just a beautiful place beautiful peoples you know stunning beaches awesome laid-back atmosphere great music i remember at the start if you've ever been to Grenada, they they love their soccer music and, you know, they play it really loud and it's everywhere and it's like thumping. At the start, I remember thinking, what is this rubbish? How am I going to put up with this? By the end, like we were, you know, dancing. I remember going to Carnival one night and that was that's up there with one of the best experiences ever. And we were all dancing in the streets and just loving this soccer music. And now we play it at home as well. So, yeah, I would have to say out of everywhere we went, Grenada was my favourite place. And, yeah, lots of amazing memories of, you know, spending hurricane season there and just making so many friends and this community of almost like living in a caravan park. You know, the kids had all over the anchorage and they'd all paddleboard to one another's boats and have sleepovers and it was just wonderful. Um, and when that music comes on, you're just transported straight back there, aren't you? Oh, completely. I just love it. And, you know, I was thinking if I had have had time, <laughs> I was going to listen to one of those songs before having our interview today because it really does, in you know, fire me up and get me excited and just bring back so many good memories. So, yeah, it's it's lovely having things like that that can really transport me back because I really, really do miss it now that we're in Australia and it's cold and I miss those warm, balmy nights with the soccer music and a pina colada. So you now, you're one of those people that have started off without knowing anything about well, not, well, knowing little about cruising, what it means, and you've had your boat, you've travelled various countries and islands, and now you're back home, whether it's temporarily or going back. But what would be, um, it could be one or two pieces, but the best advice you could give people that are starting out where you started out? Mm. It's a hard one. <clears throat> I would say the best advice would be to set a date. So I think that is what made us successful was that we we set a date from early on. So even though it was two years out, we are like, you know what, we're just going to pick this random date out of our head and that's going to be the date and we're going to talk about it as though it's the date. And when you, it's really important to watch when you um, start talking about it, speak about the trip as though it's happening so you might catch yourself saying things like oh yeah we're meant to be going on the boat or when you know we might when we might go or you know you not can't say meant or might or hope or should it's going to be when we go on the boat on this date 
this is what's going to happen because your mindset just completely changes and the universe just somehow inspires to make everything kind of work out and I know that sounds really kind of woo-woo but <laughs> it there was so many things in the lead up to our trip that just made me really realize that you know I don't know about if you've heard of the secret or whatever but it's so true put it out into the universe and somehow the universe just finds a way for it to to work out for you so yeah set a goal make it crazy um don't be scared if it feels too crazy because honestly ours felt ridiculous when we first came up with it uh we were embarrassed to tell anyone because we thought you know they would laugh at us and they did i remember when we announced it to our family everyone kept out laughing and thought we were joking um so make a goal that scares you set a date and then kind of work backwards from there figure out okay well we need x amount of dollars we've got x number of months and just figure out what you can do in that time to to save money because for my for us money felt like the the biggest hurdle if, if we you know I'm sure we can learn how to sail a boat, but if we don't have the money, we can't go. And so then just start making sacrifices, look at every part of your life and where you can make changes and adjustments and cut things out and, you know, find other ways to make money and then just go for it because it's hard, but it's really, really worth it. That's a great piece of advice. It really is. I really like your positive thinking and, and moving it forward by thinking it forward. And Erin, people may well want to connect with you um, as sailors, as adventurers, but also um, perhaps to help them. So I will include all your contacts. We'll, we'll pop this out as a podcast and it will also be on the website. And I'll include all your contacts there. But for everyone listening, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my email address is probably the best way. Uh, that's admin at roamgeneration.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Rome Generation. That's my business page. Or Sailing to Rome is our kind of adventure mini blog, as I like to call it. And then also on Instagram, Rome Generation or sailing underscore to underscore Rome. And uh, if people are interested in working with me you can check out my website which is www.romegeneration.com wonderful it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today i feel like i could chat with you for ages so <laughs> one day we'll have to orchestrate that and we'll just keep us posted on your blog whether you go back to sailing yeah i will i was only thinking i really need to put an update because I, even though I feel kind of in no man's land at the moment, I, I should articulate that to everybody about where we're at and where, what we're feeling. And I think we also need to take our own advice and set a date and pretend that there's no coronavirus and maybe hope for the best. That's a good idea. And of course, this will be a bit of an update for everyone. And thank you, Erin. That was really great. I'd just like to wrap up with three other pieces of information that, that you've, you've shared before and I think it's a, a great bit of advice for people thinking about following your footsteps. You've got to have a bucket load of common sense, unwavering desire to live life differently and determination to stick it out. Yeah, did I write that? Well, I should take, take my own advice. <laughs> you do, you do have to have those things and 
you don't actually have to be a sailor or really know what you're doing. And we kind of proved that you have to have common sense and you have to have the ability to figure it out, but you will figure it out when you're out there. So That's don't right. regret if you don't have it before you go. You definitely took your own advice. Erin, <laughs> perhaps we'll do this again when you set sail again. Oh, love to. Hopefully we'll be in the Mediterranean and I can speak to you from Turkey or Greece or, you know, Italy or something. That would be good. That'll be lovely. Perhaps we can have waves in the background instead of sheep yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be uh, on your show and to relive my sailing days and get me enthused to hopefully get us back out there again next year. That's great. I'll just wrap up with a big thank you to Erin and her family and sharing the story and being so open. My name's Jackie Parry. This is Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. Thanks very much for your company. I wish you safe sailing.